Football Show. I'm Mark Wiltshire and thank you listener for joining us for FFS 34 and I'm joined today by Keke. Hi Keke. Hello. And by Rich. Hi Rich. Hey. And Mark H was meant to be joining us but he's been delayed at the office and he's on his way home so he's gonna have to wait in suspense like the rest of the, the listeners for when this gets published sometime hopefully on early on Saturday morning. Um, in this episode we're going to look forward to this week's Nations League fixtures. There's two away games coming uh, for the Hukayat, who take on Bulgaria uh, and Wales in the final two games of the 2020 Nations League. Um, we'll also look back at the Bakehouse Liga season, which was cut short after the 22 regular season games, uh, as we'd speculated in the last show. Uh, we'll look also at the, uh, the winners, the losers, the surprise packages and the Predictably average. Um, there's, I guess, two main subjects, but we're going to also have to start by looking back just a couple of days now to the uh, the stunning victory for the Hulkiat, two 0 away to France in Paris. But we'll uh, we'll come to that shortly. Um, we're recording this on Zoom. As I say, it's going to be published as a podcast and as a video on the Finnish Football Show. YouTube channel so uh, you can't listen live but we do want your input podcast listeners use social media to get in touch with your feedback uh, my handle is uh, at explore Finland uh, who are you Keke? At Keke Mullari and Rich at escape to Swarmy and Mark is at FC Swarmy and also dig out the, the Finnish Football Show Facebook page uh, and group Ask us to ask to join, and uh, we'll we'll let you in. Um, and also take a look at, at Keke's baby, the uh, the Finnish football show Instagram page. We've got our regular features, ja, Silla Sipuli, and following. So if you two gents are ready, let's get going. And let's let's start. The only place we can start the first half of the show is looking back at the game in Paris on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> Mark asked us all to contribute some thoughts to the, uh, <laughs> to, to the predictions episode, uh, article that you put out on Wednesday. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go through and read them all. Um, if, if anyone wants to see what we wrote, there's a, there's a, a blog post on our feed from, uh, from Wednesday afternoon. Uh, but how were you feeling before the game, Rich? Um, I was more concerned about the game being played at all. I think, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, that's changed massively. But I think um, in the run-up to the game, it seemed like having an extra friendly chucked in during COVID times ahead of two big Nations League games seemed completely unnecessary. It's putting the players at risk, both of COVID and of injury, and it seemed to be there to satisfy... TV, uh, marketing, I think we suggested maybe that our good friends at Nike were, might have had a say in that. Uh, it was rearranged, it was supposed to be played in, in March as a run-up to Euro 2020. Um, at about midnight on, thir- on Wednesday, I completely changed my mind and thought it was the most essential game <laughs> ever. Um, Finland beating France in their backyard. It was the first time Finland have ever beaten a team who are 
reigning world champions. Um, it was the first time I'd ever been in France. And to be honest, I mean, yeah, that both teams put out a, or initially started a sort of reserve or fringe side, but Finland were decisive, defended really well. I think in midfield had some, had some good bite. Uh, Yoni Kalko had Paul Pogba in his back pocket. Um, you had two debutants scoring fantastic goals. Um, it made headlines the world over. And again, you know, we're almost a year to the day that Finland made the news for qualifying for Euro 2020. They've now gone and beat the world champions at home, well, away. Um, and I think it was just, you know, no matter what the, the circumstance or anything else, it was just a, one of those great results, I think, uh, possibly overshadowing the miracle of, of Hee-Hon or something like that. But just, uh, yeah, beating France 2-0 away, cracking result. Okay, how did you feel before? Before, I was, I was nervous. And I have to admit, when I saw the team sheet come out, I was, I was a little bit more nervous. Um, but, you know, that's why Rive Canavar is the Finland manager and I ain't, because he knew what he was doing. But um, I just thought, I just thought, I felt bad for, for Jesse Joranen, you know. I just thought after the, after the Poland game where he wasn't really at fault, but he, he's let five, I just thought, what is this going to do to these guys' confidence? And then, yeah, same as Rich, by the end of the night, I was I was laying in bed, but I couldn't sleep. I was just watching the highlights over and over again, and it was just. I mean, you've quite rightly pointed out Yoni Kalko. He was in absolute beast mode. He was he he was strong. He was muscly, and when he had to draw fouls, he was clever at drawing fouls. And and the two goals, I just complete. I mean, we've all been raving about Marcus Force now for a, for a little while. And we've, especially you, Mark, you know, being a Wimbledon fan, you've, you've known what he's all about for a little while. But that, that run and finish, I mean, that, that, that defender he shrugged off plays for Barcelona. And he's just, he's just give it one of them and smashed it in the net. So, I mean, and then, and then Valakari's goal as well was really, really special. Jorinen, who I, who I was worried about at the start, his, his defence were resilient, and when 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 the ball did finally get past them, he was he was Johnny on the spot every time. So um, yeah, there you go, nothing to worry about. Job done. <laughs> it's, it, it's worth it's worth noting that the, the Finnish defence was very good, um, and mm. they in basic they defended defending as a also team, in, though, didn't they? Sorry, they defended as a team, you know. Yes, they Everyone. did. Yeah, and and also and last last ditch. Depending as well when it was necessary, even that, even so, France had they must have had seven shots they blazed over the bar. If, oh, if one of them could shoot, if they had Marcus Force playing up front, they'd have had a few more goals than they than they did. But that takes nothing nothing away. That was stunning. The literally a couple of minutes before, um, I was watching at home with Sato, and she she said something about not having many chances, and I said, you know. Force is very economical with his scoring. He, he doesn't need lots of chances to score. And a few minutes later, he sort of ran half the length of the pitch and, and, and chipped it past a good goalkeeper in a quite... And he didn't have space. It was quite a tight, tight spot. And he slotted it away and it was quite, quite something. And uh, on the, on the that came out of nowhere. I mean, we yelled. I don't normally yell at goals 
Um, I did one a few weeks ago when Mate Rodetsky scored a screamer from 25 yards for Asikor right at the end of the game. Uh, this was my second yell in a few weeks, but that we both we both did, and the kids came out of the bedroom like, "What's what's going on?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was that was terrific, and I think the confidence thing is it's mm. the complete opposite, isn't it? Now go into the game on Sunday, the the first choice team that didn't play on Wednesday must be looking over their shoulders. Yeah, exactly. Great, I I actually wrote about Force and um, uh, and maybe Valakari, like having these young players coming into the squad now, and it's not just not just them. It's um, Niskanen. Niskanen's only been there a, a few games, coming into the into the squad, and and the younger players that have been there a while, like Soeri and um, Hammerline, and then you know they're 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 uh, theoretically the next generation, aren't they, for the next ten years or whatever? So it's looking it's looking good at the moment. I'm very you know, confident for the weekend. Do you know what it felt like? It felt like the especially with those youngsters, they played without any fear, you know? I don't know if that is the, the confidence of youth or, or what that is or if that's something that the team have worked on with their team spirit and all that, but they, 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 look, they just looked like they played without fear. They just believed in their ability. They weren't worried that this mob would have world champions. They're just another 11 blokes. They just turned up, played their game. The game plan was executed perfectly. And, you know, to cut, that's nothing short of historic, that result. Mm. Mm. Well, I think um, you look at Force, for example. I mean, he's been in England for a while. He was released by West Brom and Brentford picked him up. And Brentford, have there's this whole thing about them being quite a progressive club in the way they, they scout and bring young players through. Um, and obviously his loan spell at Wimbledon was cut short of injury. But, you know, he's come on this year. He's scoring, I think, for Brentford. He's not started a league game yet, but he's scoring a goal every 34 minutes. And then when you look at Pukki, who, you know, I, I honestly think he wouldn't have scored that goal that four scored. I think that the Pukki of a year, 18 months ago, seems to have gone almost regressed to the mean a little bit. And he's, you know, he's, he's not in great form for Norwich this season. You know, you pick and players on form, there was a big hoo-ha about force. I think he withdrew from a couple of under-21 games to concentrate on playing league football. Um, and as, you know, Canerva made a point last time of saying he needs time in the under-21s. And I think he doesn't strike me as the sort of person who bows to the public pressure almost. But this time it was kind of, you know, Jensen's injured, he's not in the squad. Force is in form, he's playing, scoring goals in... Let's be honest, the championship is a lot better than most of the top leagues in Europe. Um, why not? And, you know, he's gone there and shown just the confidence that you'd expect, the kind that I think Poe and Paolo had at a young age as well before his injury problems. But he's gone there, you know. I mean, that was a fantastic goal. And it, what was lovely to see on Instagram the day the day after was that he put his Instagram story was just all of the clips that people have posted of him scoring that goal, and it was just over and over and over from all these different front rooms of people recording their recording their TV. It was uh, it was quite nice. He's going to enjoy that one. Well done, well done, Marcus. Well, his um, his granddad played for Finland. Was it in the sixties? I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, nice little touch there as well. Yeah, but he didn't it's score still... away against France, did he? <laughs> I know, he's an amateur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, 
Uh, just what Rich has touched on there about Marcus Force turning down a couple of invitations to the under 21s. I mean, because I'm a, a typical football fan, I'm, I'm allowed to be as fickle as I like. Back then, I was a little bit, a little bit put out. You know, I was like, you know, he should really, he should really go along. It's his national team, blah blah blah. But now I'm completely on his side, and and I understand that he did feel that he needed that that men's football to for for the he, he saw that men's league football as a more valuable experience, and he the proof the proofs in the pudding. I think Glenn Kamara is the best example of that. Um, really, when I, I saw him play a few times for Arsenal under 23s, and technically fantastic player, but he was a boy. Um, he's gone to Scotland and become a man, and I think this is what Force needed. He uh, playing for Brentford B. I mean, they don't have an under 21 team, but uh, they play glorified friendlies most of the time. He's gone to Wimbledon. Um, Brentford sold their top striker. To be fair, he's doing well. He scored twice against Arsenal last week. But it's given Force that opportunity. He's playing now as an impact sub for Brentford. He's coming on getting sort of 25, 30 minutes of pop and he's scoring goals in men's football at, let's be honest, one of the top, certainly the top second tier in, in Europe. What do we think about um, Valakari? Because he, he's at Pathos in Cyprus along with Paulus Ariuri. But... You know, is is he going to stay there, or or is this going to start a bidding war for him after he curled that wonder shot in? I well, I, I suspect that I suspect that by the end of whenever <laughs> let him let him do his winter in Cyprus because let's be honest, we'd all <laughs> like to be in Cyprus for the winter. But you have to you have to think it's it's put him on people's radar. I, I haven't seen much of him playing. He he was exciting prospect coming through at Asicor four years ago and he, he, he looked good in the Sawman Cup games at the start of the year and then when and his dad left the club as manager he he moved on as well and that was that was a shame I was looking forward to seeing what he could do in the Bakehouse Liga um, I guess he doesn't want to come back to play here he's gone to Paphos it's sunny he's with Paulus Arayuri he's got a you know a, a teammate there in in two different teams and you have to think if he can if he can do that do that some more that the bigger clubs are going to be are going to come calling well i think there was a point he made when he signed for Paphos. is in chris cleaver his agent let me uh, drop him a line uh, um maybe i'm sure from the interview you did with him that he suggested that he was valid he engineered that move okay. um and i think um he said he went there to kind of go somewhere different. You know, he wanted to beat a different path. Um, he'd been at, was it Tromso, I think? Yeah. 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 Um, beforehand. And, and he did quite well. And I think going somewhere different, I mean, we, we don't think of Cyprus as a, as a move, but then, you know, most young Finns go to Norway, to Sweden, to Denmark, somewhere like that. And then you wonder where next. And I think for Valico, I mean, he was the under 21 player of the year last year. Um, he's doing well. Paphos and I think you know something a goal like this you know I'm sure Paphos are rubbing their hands in fact I think I shared I shared a video of the goal he scored and it got shared by their their analytics boss their sort of CEO of the club who does their analytics saying oh we told you he could do this blah 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 um you know and going off into all these charts and stuff I have no idea what they mean and um you think you know for them he's an investment um, he's one of those players that they've taken a bit of a gamble on, and you know, early doors. And, and you think, 
you know, the world's his oyster. You don't want to really put a cap on where he can go. Uh, he's still young. We've been following him on and off for a while. And um, fair play, man. What, what do we think about the next couple of games? What do you think is going to happen with the squad in the next couple of games? Just as a bit of background, for at the moment, the table is... Uh, all, all teams have played four, and there's two more games to be played. So Wales are top with 10 points. Uh, then Finland second on nine. And then Republic of Ireland third with two points. And Bulgaria bottom with one. So firstly, Finland play Bulgaria. And... Wales play Ireland, who they drew with last time. So it's possible that they could that, that they could be a repeat of that. British clubs, tend, uh, British sides tend to kind of cancel each other out a bit. Um, so if if Finland win on Sunday and Wales and Ireland draw, then Finland the top before playing Wales in Cardiff on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I think um, knowing what they have to do. Um, it's kind of the, the the balls in their court, really. Give them that advantage. I think knowing that they can go and knowing that they can. I mean, they've just gone to beat the world champions. Um, they can go to Bulgaria, who, let's be honest, have had some COVID withdrawals in the last couple of days. Um, and again, I think Wales drew with USA on Thursday evening. So, you know, again, a friendly building up. But I think, you know, th- there's so much at stake. Um, I mean, we talked about in the last pod, you've got nations, I mean, you know, win that group, you get promoted to the top division. You know, you've got big games there already. You're a good shot at getting a playoff for the world next World Cup. And also, and again, we've talked about, and you know, I love a coefficient. Um, Finland aren't far away from being pot three for World Cup qualifying. Um, the draw for that, I think it's December. And if Finland, I think they either have to equal Greece's results or, or ideally win both games. But if they equal Greece's results, they go in pot three. They've already dropped, gone up because of that random Iran beating Bosnia. I mean, that's how weird this whole system is. But you've got all these incentives away. You know, you've got two games. Bulgaria, yes, it's winnable. Wales, who knows? I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, but then you know, Finland went to Ireland, won. And I think in this, in this league where teams aren't that vastly different, you know, the, the difference between them isn't that big. I think they could go to Wales and get a result. And if, if they need to go to Wales and get a draw, if Finland put out a full-strength team, you know, with the, the defence, the goalkeeper, the, the solid midfield, I, would, I wouldn't put it past them. What is a full strength team now? After the way that team played on Wednesday, um, mm. obviously you, we 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 know who we expect to come back into the team, and potentially there's there's half a dozen or or more changes that could could take place. Do you think anyone from from any of the of the kind of newer players from Wednesday will will keep a place in the team? I mean, I, I think I think we will see a more a more familiar lineup for sure for these competitive fixtures. But I've I've got to say I think the um, the the positions up front are up for grabs. And why not? You know, why not? Why not stick with the two young fellas who, who have made such an impact in that game the other night? You know, I mean, um, I, I do think I do think the back line and, and, and the, the goalie will, will be more familiar but yeah I, I think the, the forward the forward positions are up for grabs so there you go I think you'd be 
I'd be surprised if he didn't play Puki and Pari and Palo to start with mm. on Sunday. But I think knowing he's got an informed force on the bench, that's his first sub. Um, As an impact before... sub, which is what he's been doing all season. Right, exactly, yeah. I think, and um, I mean, that was always his first change in the in the previous games we brought Jensen on, and Jensen was scoring. You know, I think it was it one game he scored on his first touch after 15 seconds. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's what you're looking for. I think um, Pukin, Poe and Palo, they're not in they're not in great form. I mean, they're, they're scoring the odd goal here and there. It's it's not ideal, but I think again in in that Bulgaria game, as long as you, you get to half time and then into the second half, then that's when you start making the changes, bring on your quick young players. Um, I think yeah, I, I think force will almost certainly be the first off the bench by 60-65 minutes. Obviously, um, Leo Weissenen has, uh, has gone back to Sweden. He's, he's picked up that injury that we saw the other night. Um, it didn't... I think it, it may have almost been the way, the way he fell, or I'm, I'm not sure what the injury is. It's his foot, I think, or if it got... He's out for foot. three months. Yeah. Is that what it is now? The problem yeah. is three months. Hmm. I mean, that, that, that's, a shame for, that's a shame for him. He's been doing doing all right in Elfsburg and, and obviously played while he was on the pitch, played quite well the other night. But um, obviously he's, he's now left the squad focusing on the games that we've coming up. And um, so I think, you know, the, the, the back line will, will be a more, a more familiar. You, you'd, you'd assume that Toivio and Arayuri would, would start against Bulgaria, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think, I mean, again, it shows how, you know, friendies were always seen as a kind of, an exercise, a training ground thing. But this week, I mean, Valakari was meant to go back to the under-21s after Sunday and they've said, no, no, we're keeping him now. Um, this is where we are now. You know, the, these players are playing for places. I mean, you don't forget you've got the first major tournament coming up. Um, and, yeah, I mean, friendlies like that and winning in France is going to do your CV a world of good. And I think Force has put himself as it stands, certainly in the top four strikers. So, yeah. So we're feeling, we're feeling confident. Even yeah, after, it, yeah, it, is, it kind of <laughs> is weird because we were in, it, in the space of a few hours, we were turned completely on our heads the other day. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to feel positive. I told you this, Rich. Optimism is a, is a it feels good. It well, it's good. funny because after the game, um, and obviously all the, the big sports news outlets were, were tweeting about it, I think who scored said that um, Finland have won the percentage of games basically since the end of 2016. And it's like, yeah, because you remember in 2016, and we joked about it, it was the time we started the podcast, we went for a whole calendar year without a win. <laughs> um, the glorious reign of Hans Backer. Um, and how things have changed. Yeah. Oh, that's, we're, we're going to try something a little bit different for these, uh, these upcoming games. So rather than watching the games and sharing our thoughts on WhatsApp and then finding a convenient time a week or two later to actually talk about it, we're going we're gonna to record something before, during and after the game. So kind of like our pre-match chinwag and then a bit of half-time chat followed by a post-match debrief and... Try and put that out nice and quickly after the game. So there'll be no no thrills. It'll be just the, the audio and maybe this the same sort of video here. Chop together and get it out quickly. So you'll hear from us 
I think if you'd heard from us on Wednesday night, you'd have heard some quite emotional chat and we'd have probably been going for hours. But um, let's, yeah. let's keep, keep your ears and eyes open for that on, uh, on Monday morning. We'll try and get that out straight away after, after the game. And I was just checking on my phone. We're going to do one on for the Bulgaria game on Sunday 16th and then the Wales game is on Wednesday. The, sorry, Sunday 15th. And the Wales game is on Wednesday the 18th. And Wednesday the 18th is actually the, uh, the Finnish football show's fifth birthday. Oh. To the day. That's, oh, that's when we... <laughs> oh, cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, I was, that's exactly five years ago that we put that first show out. Um, soon followed by an episode entitled, Is This the Worst Time to Start a Podcast About Finnish Football? <laughs> well, let's see, all, let's see all the new guys starting it in the next couple of months and see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Young pretenders. Uh, let's, let's call half-time on our Hukayat roundup and uh, let's defer to, the, uh, to Mark Hayton in his, in his absence for our Yasil Lasipuli section where we take a, a finished word or phrase from the football area and uh, Mark breaks it down for us. And, uh, and this, this week's word is... I'm reading from my phone. Tatsi. And Tatsi is kind of from, uh, derived from English word touch, meaning boy control. Boy control. Ball control. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I'm not even going to bother ed- editing. <laughs> Ball control. And Mark gave a little phrase in Finnish, and uh, I've been practicing my Finnish lately, so let's see. He said, Hitsi Mika Tatsi. Damn, what a what a touch! Uh, so Tutsi goes into our Yasilasipuli uh, dictionary. Maybe Keke, you should uh, you should go through some of our back catalogue and uh, and put together something for Instagram of all of our uh, of all of our words that we've considered it done. Sounds 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 good. Let's see what we what he's come up with over the years. Yeah. Um, but before you do that, let's let's crack on with the. Uh, with the second half of the oh actually actually there was there was there was one other thing we were supposed to talk about maybe we can talk about it now before we go into the Bakehouse Liga um, ah, review yes which was about Vissam Benyeda the, the French player testing positive for COVID uh, any any update on that I saw the headline but I didn't see any news um. Yeah, so he, he tested positive after the France-Finland game. He played, I think, just under an hour yeah. of the game. But um, he plays for, uh, someone's going to correct me, is it Monaco or Marseille? One of those. Um, but then they played a game on uh, the weekend past. And it turned out that, um, a, I think, a, a significant number of the opposition players actually tested positive after that game as well. So um, it's, um, it just goes to show really how quickly this thing can spread. I think they've, the threshold for cancelling or postponing these Nation League games is quite high. I think even before the Ireland game, a couple of Ireland players tested positive and they just went, sod it, just drop them and replace them. Um, but yeah, in, in this case, it was very much a he's tested positive. The Finland players, I think they've said 
they're happy that the testing procedures was they, they've called it uh, their road to playing or something. UEFA have given it some sort of trademark name that they can probably make money off, but they've got testing protocols in place. So uh, as far as I'm aware, at the time of recording, the tests have come back negative for the whole Finland squad. But then, as, as we know, these things can develop over a period of time. So, you know, a, a positive or negative test on Friday doesn't mean anything come match day. So it's... um. Yeah, but if, again, is the health of the players that secondary to getting these games played? I don't know. That's a whole different discussion. But watch, watch this space for for Sunday and see if any uh, if there's any effect on the Finnish squad. We may have the the same team facing France for for much sadder reasons. Uh, let's um, let's move on then to uh, to the Veikkaus Liga season start the second half of the show um i mentioned at the very beginning that the the season ended after 22 games just as a reminder the there's 12 clubs in the bakehouse liga so they play each other twice 22 games and then the the league was supposed to split into a top half and a, a bottom half and each team would play each other one more time in those halves so there would be five more games played and last year there was some complicated uh, additional playoffs or something, but I think, Rich, you said it was going to be a bit simpler this year. Uh, anyway, it, it's much simpler because they just ended the season after 22 games. Um, it was getting, it was just getting too late in the year. I mean, the, the season, the, the, the regular season finished, I think, third, third week of October, and that's normally when the, the whole season finishes completely so and there were then a few clubs with with covid tests coming back positive and it just it just seemed like it was going to be it was going to be difficult and the the vacuum league clubs took a vote um they needed nine out of the 12 to uh, to vote to end the season i i didn't see what the what the actual vote was but they, the decision was to uh, to end the season there yeah, I think, um, I mean, to be fair, at the start of the season, I mean, the first game of it was July the 1st, when it's normally kind of early April. Um, they had said that it was kind of in the back pocket to end after 22 games, I think. So I think a lot of people saw it as, it. oh, they've just cut it short. But I think this was always the kind of, if we can get to this stage, we've done well. Which, to, to be fair, I think we got to late September before the first COVID related postponement which was the uh, TPS ASICOR game um, but it then got into October and then the, the, the fixtures started piling up I think uh, Mariham had a bit of an outbreak which caused other teams to quarantine and I think even on the eve of the final game of the season half the ROP squad either were exposed to it or tested positive and they said well we're not, we're not going to play our last game um, and I think in the interest of of everything that, that was going on. I think, you know, by the time you factor in this international break as well, you'd have been looking at pending no further postponements, games going up to the end of November, which in Finland, the climate is just asking for trouble. Okay. Um, um, I mean, they, they you know, I think at the start of the season, if they said you can get to 22 games and, and achieve something equitable, you know, it's fairly fair in a, in a sporting environment. I don't see any argument with it. I, um, Obviously, from a uh, Cups supporting point of view, I wish they'd ended the season a month earlier. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, they've um, they've done well to get this far. 
Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I, there were times where we had to, you know, the last few games wear masks and I, I made the, the, the kind of picture blog about watching football from behind a mask. Um, but even though it was a, it was inconvenient and, you know, I didn't really want to do it. I just had to keep saying to myself, like, we're, we're watching live football. There's yeah. so many countries where people haven't been able to watch live football since February or March this year. And I've been to 11 home games and one away game this year. Living the dream. So, <laughs> although those, they were 11 of Asikor's home games and away games. So that's less, <laughs> less of a dream. Um, well, wait, do you want, should we sort of talk through the teams from the top down to the, to the bottom, starting with the, Hoyiko Helsinki, who were who won the the league this year. Well, yeah, it's um, it's normal services resumed, I suppose. You know, um, Hoyiko celebrated what was it their their thirtieth thirtieth title win. So, um, well, this is the, the uh, thing, isn't it? It's thirtieth yeah. men's title. Yeah, thirtieth men's title, and they promptly added uh, another three stars to their above their badge because they've decided to count the women's titles as well, which puts them on 53, I think. Yeah. 53 titles altogether. Still still one behind the world's most successful football club, Glasgow Rangers, who have got 54. So, um, you know, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not doing too bad. It's but, a veritable um, galaxy of stars on, the, on their shirt. That's it. But it's, um, you know, yeah, it's, you know, normal services resumed, I suppose. They've, they've got... They've got the best talent, haven't they? Both um, coming through and returning talent. So um, I was particularly particularly pleased for uh, for our friend Marcus Halsty for picking up um, picking up his championship winning medal and a, and a cup winner's medal. So um, big shout out to him. But um, but yeah, it's, uh, at the end of the day, they were the best team. I was, to be honest, not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but I was a little bit gutted for. Um, for Inter Turco, the, the the season ended when it did. They they seem to be, they seem to be, well, they finished second, so they were they were there or thereabouts all season. They were quite consistent, you know, and and now they were just coming into another little bit of form. So I think had it had it gone on a bit longer, they may have challenged for it. But um, but yeah, they've had to settle for second spot. But I've are. got the I've got the final league table in the show notes and Hoyiko uh, there are. Top on 48 points and then Inter third with 41. Uh, sorry, second with 41 and Coops a third with 41. It's a seven-point lead, but it, it kind of only opened up really right at the end, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I say already Coops were top after they got knocked out of Europe and they lost their last four games. Um but I think I, I'm not sure. Inter just seemed that most consistent. H Hoyko did it in sort of fits and starts. I think they had a couple of dips over the course of the year, whereas Inter were kind of doing generally fairly well. Um, but yeah, Hoyko just had that quality. They have the. I think they had a couple of big wins toward the end of the season. Um, they've got the goal scorers, the risky brothers, Vauen and. You know, all, all scored decent, decent totals, and um, yeah, I think that, that that kind of talks at the end of the day. They've come away with a double. It's all very successful, and uh, already preparing for next season. They've just pinched Yair from Ilves today, yeah. Brazilian midfielder, which 
this is what they do. They normally get to the end of the season, they'll start pinching the best players off the teams who finish just below them. So, um, again, I mean, it's you know, we're looking a bit ahead of ourselves to next season, but this is what, what they do. They, they strengthen and take advantage of that. Um, and they will be in the Champions League again next season. Um, the whole revamped UEFA tournament situation where you've now got no Finnish teams in the Europa League and three Finnish teams in the Europa Conference Cup League, whatever. Um, which is weird, but it's the new normal. Mm. Um, so moving, moving down, you, you touched on Coops there, Rich, and we, yeah. we dedicated one of the shows to them uh, pretty much a little while back when they, when they were playing their, their games in Europe. Um, but that that kind of so near and yet so far, and then really seemed to hurt them at the end of the season, like you say, losing in the last four. Yeah, I think um, they, they did, or I think the expectations around the Europa League games got so much they they all got quite caught up in that. And I think it was after a bit of the after Lord's Mayor's show sort of thing, where uh, of the six games that year, lost four, drew one. Um, they have replaced their manager, so. The uh, Norwegian Arne Erlandsson, who I heard dubbed the Norwegian Tony Pulis, he, um, he's been sacked or his contract wasn't renewed. And uh, our friend Simo Valakari is now the Cups manager. So uh, bring back the title. Yeah, it could be, could be good for them. He's had success uh, in Finland before, won the Vekas Liga. He's inheriting a team that has had a couple of seasons of, of performing well. So, you know... Good, good luck to Simo and good luck to, to Coops. Not too much luck, but a bit of luck anyway. <laughs> what, what about fourth place was Honka? Yeah, so they've qualified for Europe as well because of Hoiko's double. Um, they had a very up and down season. I mean, they, they only lost three games, but drew 10. Um, I think at one point they were the last unbeaten team going into, into sort of mid-season, but um, they had an odd one. They didn't score that many goals. I think... Um, of note, they, they, I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes at Honka, but they've had a very interesting, and I, I'm not sure if it's interesting for the fans, they, they seem to be losing a lot of their young players and some of their established players and bringing in players from abroad. Uh, I'm not sure if there's some issues in the boardroom and a lot of the coaching staff have gone as well, which seems like there's boardroom or corporate decisions going on there. So I think change at that level in Finland normally rings worrying bells. So we'll see how they do for next season. I mean, that's, that, that's finishing fourth for, for Honkos. That's, that's, a, that's a decent result for mm. them. I mean, I, I hope what you've spoke about there, Rich, doesn't hurt them too much because they've had, not dark days, but they've had their, they've had their recent history out of the Vakaus Liga. You know, they've, they've made their way back and to, to, finish, to finish fourth even after a 22-game season without, without the split, is, is a, a decent return for them, really. So, mm. um, so, yeah, I hope that whoever is being the puppet master there doesn't mess about too much and tries to, tries to build on that at least, you know, but remains to be seen. And below, below Honka came Ilves, uh, only, a point, only a point behind on 36 points. And uh, I saw... Ilves towards the end of the season at uh, at Asikor, and they were really good. They were mm. they were they were closing down. They were kind of hunting 
impacts. I don't know if Lynx is hunt impacts, but that's what Inves <laughs> were doing on that day. And and just just they, they really deserved it. And if it wasn't against my team, I'd have I'd have been quite appreciative of how they how they played. And it was, I guess, it, it was a, a decent season for them, finishing fifth, ten wins, six mm. draws, six uh, six defeats. I think under Jakovic, they've done really well. I think he's been there, what, four, possibly five seasons now. And they've been that consistent top-half table. They won a cup a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, we're at the point now where Ilves is finishing fifth is probably slightly disappointing. I think they're so well run generally. I know there's plans to move stadium in the in the near future if things get back to normal. Um, the sort of big thing, I suppose, is they've lost... Probably their key young player in uh, Lowry Ali Mulumeki. I was getting his name messed up. Um, He's gone to Venezia in Italy, which is a great move for him. Um, And 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 going sort of completely off topic. They've got a beautiful kit this season. Um, But um, (laughs) he's um, and he's and one thing that I I always enjoyed is he scored one of what was voted goal of the Swarm and Cup. uh, I think the group stages when. He put away an expertly taken penalty, and that was voted goal of the round. Um, God bless democracy on Facebook. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, again, he, he's a key player for them. He he was he was scoring quite a few goals. They're normally quite good at recruiting, so hopefully we'll see. Uh, they've got a decent conveyor belt of young players kind of on the cusp as well. A friend of the show, Peter Eletten, and he he watches a lot of their kind of junior and reserve games and I think he's always quite enthusiastic around the state of the, the production line there so fingers crossed I mean they had um, they had two two guys in the 10 top scorers in the league like you mentioned Lauri Alamulimaki there but they had um, Nathan Scoot I don't know how you say it Scooter as well yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he, 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 he chipped in with eight with eight goals you know so he's, um the, Ruto had a I haven't watched it yet they've got a a, a clip show I think a, a mini documentary about him as this kind of up and coming I think it's called like next next star or something like that but um he scored a great goal for the under 21 Finland under 21s against Northern Ireland recently and um yeah I think there's a lot of buzz around him so hopefully he can step up next season did he I think he's he scored in their Europa League game at Shamrock Rovers as well so I think there's you know, as, as young players go, I think he's another one to keep an eye if he if he stays at Ilves and gets a decent number of games next year. What about Lati? I, I saw Lati a couple of times. That was where. Say that again. Boring. <laughs> That's kind of what I was going to say. I saw them twice, and we we had a it, it was <laughs> we had a, a day trip down to Lati to watch them uh, in a a few of us in a car. All the way down there. It's a four-hour drive, hanging around a little bit, watching the game all the way back for a nil-nil draw. Uh, it's kind of saying off his bogey team. Uh, it was good fun. There were a few friends all together, and we had a we had a, a good day. But the football, uh, it was a, a nice day out, ruined by a game of football. <laughs> they were one of these teams who. I think mid-table mediocrity was, if you read it up in the dictionary, the FC Lati Club Crest in the in the page. They, they've got, you know, they've, they've they've got some interesting players. Vahid Hambo went there last season, did quite well. They had that player as um, Imbongo from the Congo. Yeah. Um, 
who had that cracking sending off, which seems to be more interesting than the goals. But they just seem to be one of these clubs who just seem just content to be sixth. No shame in it, but it's just, they're always sixth or seventh. And it's weird. It is. I mean, they, um, they, they, they got a beautiful stadium with those ski jumps in the in the background. They've got um, they turned out some some beautiful jerseys. The, I really enjoyed the white away kit by Umbro this season. They signed Kari Argibor, you know, and um, and that was the last anyone sort of heard about. And they just sort of they just sort of kept under the radar. And then, like Rich said, just finished where they always do. So um, fair play to them, you know. <laughs> Moving, moving down to, so they finished uh, one point above Asikor. So Lati was sixth on 32. Oh, sorry, and three, one place above Asikor, yeah. who were on 29 points. Um, it was, it was a trying season, <laughs> but but towards the end, the, the, we had a little run, I guess, at early autumn of, uh, of I think five wins out of six or something, something like that, and it got, it got sort of the 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 prospect of we can, we, can, we can finish sixth and we can get in the top half and 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 then the end of the season went a bit a bit kind of uh, inconsistent again but there were a couple of cracking games or not cracking games but cracking finishes to games to keep the excitement going where we where we got a couple of couple of victories with with almost the last kick of the game um, I. I can see that a few a few players have already left a few fringe players that you know them leaving won't really make an impact on the on the team. I think the players they brought in halfway through this season I'm I'm hoping they stay. Um Morello at left back has, has actually signed a new contract. Um he's, he's with, recovered from his uh, serious injury. That that he, he could have done yeah. himself a mischief there. You were uh, you back down. <laughs> um and and uh, we're hoping that Emmanuel Ledesma comes back from his winter holiday in Argentina or wherever he's gone and brings his family over and settles down because we'd like to see some more of that. And, uh, and also Jake Jervis up front just brought some mobility and, and a, a, yeah, just a bit of kind of fight and power up front and, and scored a couple of, uh, couple of decent goals as well so let's let's see the the positives i think are the young the young players coming through and sort of making making spots their own in the team um uh, lepisto up front scored a few goals um and vainimpar and dickenen at the back particularly kind of come through the through the academy and into the into the first team which is what Football fans want to see. What about Hifki? Okay, this is a bit of a story. So mm. Hifki had a had a decent season. Finished on twenty eight points. They were never never in trouble. It was it was solid. Um, but now the, uh, the 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 stuff has hit the fan. Um, who who broke this news in our WhatsApp group today? Who wants to start with this? Which. Uh, yeah, um, well, in Hifke's case, I mean, after, I think they always had some trouble a few years ago financially when, when they got promoted and, and trying to get themselves established in the top flight. Um, their majority shareholder, who's a Chinese gentleman, 
called um, Lucas Changjin. He also owns the Danish club Velja, or Velja, however you pronounce that. Um, he is a, an agent, or he's involved in the, the selling and, and the signing of players, which is his how he's made his money. Um, because of the coronavirus, because of the way that he earns his money normally, he's, his income hasn't done too well. He hasn't made very much money from Hifke. And over the last few days, he's basically made it clear that unless Hifke are looking to become essentially a feeder club for his Danish interest, that he's going to withdraw the majority of his shareholding. And with the Vakehouse Liga licensing decisions coming in the next few days, they're looking at raising the best part of a half a million euros at short notice in order to fulfil their licensing criteria. Um, I mean, we, we know from, and we had this discussion in our WhatsApp group as well about how about five, four or five years ago, there was a big glut of licensing changes when clubs were going through some financial issues. And I think one year, Mupa, um, Mupa went down, Honka, various clubs were having financial issues. And, you know, the big risk of, of Hifke losing this money and, and not being able to fulfil those conditions is that they'll either have to declare bankruptcy or get relegated down to the Kuppen, um the third tier or the, the second division. Um, this, I mean, the, the, the fact that this is allowed to happen, that, that one person could just withdraw the funding shows how delicate it is. And, and I think, you know, and I, I know we, we've talked a lot in previous episodes about how Hifke and Hoiko, that stad in Derby, has become a marketing tool for the league in, in normal years anyway. I mean, this year it was quite the opposite. It actually made it look really bad with the the pitch invasion at the end of the, the first game. But I think um, losing potentially that game is more than just losing a team. It, it loses the Vakehouse League's big league draw, the one that goes viral and around the world on social media it's the big it's the one game that sells out over 10,000 tickets um, and you know all because someone wants it as a feeder club for his, you know and he I think Hifke had I think three maybe four players from that club already on loan this season who did quite well to be fair but it's just showing that you know coronavirus it's not just cutting the season short it's also making a difference for how clubs are making money or losing money um, how they're being run and I think if he goes, I mean, the, the, I think the, the way they were looking at doing it was recruiting people or groups to invest 20, 25,000 euros enough by Monday. But I mean, you're talking about investing a large amount of money, you know, because in Finland, that is a huge amount of money for a football club. Um, at short notice, during coronavirus, whatever stage we're at, um, in order to keep a club in the top division, which... Having that power is is wrong, but that's football. <laughs> I guess people should keep an eye on your Twitter feed, Rich, because you're likely to share what comes your way as this uh, develops over the next week or so. Yeah, I think um, by by Monday, that's when the, the decision is being made, the, the 16th. Um, whether there's any going to be any leeway in that or not, I don't know. But, um, I mean, it's been confirmed by the CEO of the company to... Um, to Ilta Salamat that you know this is the case this is legit this is rumour control um, it's just a case of how much money can they raise and can they prove to Vakehouse League that they'll be able to make it through and fulfil their fixtures next season which you know a club like Hifke losing the best part of half a million euros that's probably half their playing budget I think so um, 
yeah, it's um, it's disgusting, but that's where we are. We've got Chinese people, well, Chinese agents, basically chucking money around in order to boost their own portfolios. I mean, if if, if that if that's a let, if that obviously there's there's not a lot anyone can do about the situation at the moment. But if if Hifke, if Hifke are, are allowed to be chucked out of that league for whatever reason for this financial problem, I mean, like you say, Rich. That that Stadium Derby is is the the one spectacle, the one real true spectacle that the Vegas Liga can hang their hat on and market around the world. It shows you that there is a, a football culture alive and well in Finland, you know, and growing. And I just think it's 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 more it's more valuable than that, you know, just some some guy's little plaything that he decides, oh, I don't want to put any more cash into that anymore. I'm, I'm I'm out of here. Like I don't know. It's like you say. It is disgusting, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. But but then that's the food chain. I think it's the uh, I suppose equivalent. It's Chelsea and Vitesse Arnhem. Um, you know, Arnhem are happy to play that role because Chelsea keep them going. And I think they are. You know, whoever, however the decision making is done there. If gear at risk, really of losing a lot more than than league status. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of clubs. So bear in mind, we had four, yeah, it's four players last season on that Danish club. Um, feeder clubs are things. Other way, think yeah, that's if that is to happen, that would be a shame because Finnish football in normal times was starting to get back onto an even keel. They were starting. To run a lot better um generally and, and this would be a huge a bit coronavirus related but it would be a huge casualty mm. i guess all we can do for now is wish hifki good luck and uh, and follow the story see what see what comes from it below them we got three teams that, that by the end of the season were fighting it out not to finish 11th and in that playoff place um, we had in ninth were Mariaham on 23 points, Hucker in 10th on 22 points, and TPS Turku finished in 11th on 21 points. Um, Rich, Mariaham started the season quite well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, the Albion Ademi scoring goals, um, I think at sort of halfway through the, the season or so, he was on over a goal a game. I think at one point uh, signed a, a year's option on his contract and promptly dried up. I think he got linked to a move to Dinamo Zagreb, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I think um, sort of after that they they went off a cliff a little bit and and almost almost literally because I think on the way home from a an away game in Helsinki to Hifki, their ferry ran aground and they had to be evacuated <laughs> and. It's just one of those occupational hazards, I think. Um, and I mean, from what I've heard, again, you know, a lot of it's rumours and and stuff. There's some issues behind the scenes there. I think players not getting on with coaching staff and some of the decisions being made at, at boardroom level, perhaps not paying off. Um, and by all accounts, I think the, there was a lot of discussion and and there's a um, uh, a few fans talking about how there's some apathy towards the team at the moment, I mean, bear in mind, four years since they were champions. Um, the attendances were low, even by current standards. And 
I think there's a, a general feeling of, of malaise that perhaps there's, there's a bit of impetus needed somewhere in the club, not necessarily financially or anything like that, but I think maybe just a change and, and maybe a bit more modernisation around the way the clubs run. So what about below Mariaham? We have Hucker and Sammy Hoopier came into the club halfway through the season. He did something to help them stay up, but you know they finished they finished tenth and just one point above the the, the relegation playoff. Just um, just before I, I talk about Hacker, maybe um, Orland United should introduce a, a men's team for um, for the uh, the Orland Islands because um, they they did quite well with a, a cancelised Liga and a, and a women's cup double. So um, the people of the people on the island do have something to cheer about. So um, yeah. they they did okay, but. Um, yeah, quite quite embarrassingly, I um, hackable my dark horse for this season. My um, my old man crush Aero Mark and then turned up there, and I thought he was gonna um, I thought he was gonna set the league on fire and, and bang in a load of goals. But for whatever reason, it 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 didn't quite work out. I mean, he seems to be happy there and he um, seems to be enjoying life down there down there. But yeah, on on the pitch, it didn't quite work out. I mean. Um, Sammy Hoopier was parachuted in to, to save the day and uh, seems to have succeeded in that. But he's, he, uh, I think he's back on his, back on his trail bikes now and, he's, um, and that's him job done. I don't know if we'll see him there next season. But um, what's the, uh, what was the other young forward who, who smashed a few goals in for them? They, um, Oyela, is it? Uh, I'm not sure. I kind of followed, um, I was following Maximus Tainio quite a bit just because uh, of his interesting career path, but I think he, uh, I think he even went on loan to Guyana at one point. But he, uh, the nepotism pays off because he got in the team towards the end of the season. Did all the <laughs> Maximus Decimus Meridius Tainio. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer your question if I can. Uh, yeah, Salomo uh, Oyelowo. Oh, yeah, uh, he scored That's six it. in twenty-one. That was their their top scorer this season. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, I think at one point they were looking like very close, and and of course in in the end it did look quite close with, with TPS for that relegation playoff spot. But mm. um, again, you know, for for a first season up, they'd been away for I think seven or eight years since they got relegated last time, and I think yeah, I'm sure if you'd given them tenth at the start of the season, they wouldn't have been too unhappy. You again, again, Rich, similar to. Um, Hifke, Hacker are a team we want in the top division. You know, they're, they're, they're a classic, historical Finnish football club. We, yeah. we want them in the top division, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, after Hoiko, they have the most titles. Um, and, I mean, they, they, they had one, I think they're the joint best Finnish performance in Europe. I think they reached the Cup Winners' Cup quarterfinals in 1990 or 91, I think. So uh, that, that's the sort of achievement we need to recognise. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, Kicker, your dark horse for the season. We did our predictions uh, at, at show at the start of the season. And I think maybe once the, <laughs> once, the clo- once the season's all over and these games are out of the way, we've got one or two interview shows lined up and then we should also, at least one or two of us get together and talk through some of the, some of the predictions overall. Not not naming and shaming, but overall look at look at what was predicted and uh, and where it came out. But uh, I think many of us thought Debeas would be down near the bottom. Um, they they finished, as I said, 
before in 11th place, 21 points. But they were still fighting right until the, until the last game. And now they're in a, a playoff with the second place team from Ukkonen, which is Kortepe. Yeah, I think um, obviously they had a really bad start to the season. Um, they changed their manager about a third of the way through, brought the uh, Finland legend Jonathan Johansson in. Um, he did pretty well. I think there was some controversy, obviously, initially on his arrival. And um, TPS have a good habit of getting up for at least two games a season when they play Inter in the derby. Um, and it's going to be a big sort of end of season for them as well. They've got two of their um, famous legends are retiring or at least leaving the club at the end of the season. Got uh, Ramonen and Aritalo, the championship manager legend, uh, finishing after after tomorrow's match. Um, yeah, I think, again, another club who had you offered intent for the start of the season with a bit in your hand off after... Uh, and, and they're very much the definition of a yo-yo club. I think of the five... Uh, last playoff matches, they've contested four of them in either Vakehouse League or Ukenen. Um And that weird statistic that came out of the last six playoff ties, all of the first legs in those six have ended nil-nil <laughs> and have been decided on the second match. So, again, finished nil-nil. And at the time of recording, Saturday afternoon, they're playing Cortepe. Uh, be interesting. I think either, either one staying in the top or playing in the top division next season will be interesting the TPS means a, a talk of derby Cortepe seem to be making a habit this year of just scoring scorchers just purely to go viral um, and yeah there'll be whoever plays next season will be interesting but yeah TPS you know, I've been, been over there a couple of times to see them play and it's always always interesting and um, they've got a, a good fan base as well so I don't, I don't think any of us predicted that Rops would finish bottom with five, five, points. five points, a win and two draws all season. I could um, have got five points off them. <laughs> um, and I think there was some discussion, was there, towards the end of the season that, that they might not be devastated to go down on, from a financial point of view. I'm sure the fans certainly aren't happy and the players and the last game of the season weren't happy. Um, it, their, their last game of the season was at home to Astley Corp. They went 1-0 down. They pulled it back to 2-1 two, two, up. And then it was one of Saniocchi's kind of late comebacks. The, the, the screamer from Radetzky that I mentioned before that had me yelling on the sofa. Um, and it kind of knocked the stuffing out of them right at the end, whatever stuffing was left in them, right at the end. Um, a couple of years well, ago, they were right up near the top. They were challenging. They were Ooh. horrible to play against and horrible to watch. But what, what, where did it all go wrong? Well, that, that screamer that, um, that Radetzky scored was one of 51 goals they've let in this season. So I'm suggesting that's where it's gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, when you compare to that season, I think they were one of the clubs that the year Asiko won it. I think they were in contention on the final day. I think they ended up coming second. Um, they, under Juha Malinen, a few years ago, were, as you say, tough to beat, really well drilled. Had a, they always had a habit of having a couple of good goal scorers, normally Koko, uh, who's, who's still there, but he just, I mean, he's just suffering from constant injuries at the moment. And... Um, 
and they've positioned themselves in this really weird place where they are almost a feeder club for Hoyuko. Um, they get Hoyuko's young players on loan. Their managers always seem to come from Hoyuko's coaching or their own <laughs> Hoyuko's own sort of reserve club. And they, despite being the club of Lapland, the, the whole essence yeah. of that, I mean, they, they seem to, they don't seem to have an identity which I find strange. You know, they, they're in this weird position. It's something that is marketable. They're the club from the Arctic circles and they've got this beautiful new stadium, or I say new, a couple of years old. And there's so much unique about it. And yet they were horrible this year. They were the ones who really wanted the season to end after 22 games, both for, Corona reasons because I think half their squad were riddled with it by the end of the year, um, and for financial reasons because, like you said, um, the finances involved in where they're located geographically, they have to pay to travel. Uh, traveling to Mariham, for example, is crippling for them. They even the train down to Helsinki, you know, they're taking players, coaches, kit, etc. Um, and I mean, imagine, I mean, fortunate in that position that you don't have to sit through a whole season and watch your club just get even, I mean, they were taken apart a few games, but they had these games where, you know, it's one of those things where for 89 minutes they're doing well. I think they had a game against Hoiko where for 89 minutes they went toe-to-toe with them and were doing really well and then Hoiko did them on the counter in the last minute. (laughs) And it's just stuff, you know, um, when they played TPS in, in Johansson's first game, and they made this big song and dance. He's not quarantined. He's just flown over from Scotland. There's, you know, and they made him sit outside the dugout on a patio yeah. chair. And TPS, oh, that was their first win of the season. Rocks Away became a gimme. And then that was the one that I know I, I usually have a laugh about foreign gamblers on this podcast. But um, the one win came away to Hifke in what the foreign gamblers assumed would probably pay off their mortgage. And Rops went there and won. And it was the standard. I won't repeat a lot of the comments on social media, but the foreign gamblers normally give me some good, good ammunition after a game. But um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame. I mean, in you know, the time I've been following um, Finnish football, it took nearly 10 years now. Um, you know, they, they've won the cup. They've been in Europe. They've done well in the league. They've finished in the, the medal positions. And now, who knows? Um, I mean, the weird thing is, is, you know, if players were looking forward to not having to do a long trip, they've been replaced by AC Olu, who, while not as far north as Robin Yemi, is still a fair old trek. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sod's law. But, um, yeah, and, rotten. And, and we've, we've been going quite a while now with a, with a small <laughs> technical break in the middle uh, that the listener won't be too aware of, hopefully. Um, why is it so much better for their finances to be in the Ukkunen because it's still a national league it's not regional so they're still going to be travelling yeah but I think the the expectations and plus as well the the money that there'll be the expenditure is going to be lower the let's be honest the, the wages will be lower mm. um, and I think just that chance and I know a lot of the the fan groups have kind of said that it'll do them the good that having that year out and this is the assumption it will be a year mm. we've we've seen from history it's not always that easy um but i think that chance to regroup to clear some of the chuff i mean they did it before when they were one of the big 
victims of the match fixing scandal of around 2008, I think it was. Um, and they got absolutely ripped apart for that. So I think they've come back stronger before. Uh, hopefully they'll do it again. But I think, you know, that they, they need to find that groove. And I called it identity, but that they need to find their essence somewhere and they need to become the rocks of what well, it was 2015, 16 again and not be this limbo club. They need to get themselves sorted. I think let's, let's just run briefly through the Vakehouse Liga top scorers. Let, let's do the top five um, because Mark, although he's not here, he wouldn't forgive us if we didn't mention Rope Risky at least once a show. <laughs> um, Keke's got his plug-in for uh, Eero Markkinen, so we'll get Rope Risky in there as well. Uh, 20 games and 16 goals. That's pretty good to return in any, in any league. Uh, and then we mentioned before Albion Ademi at Mariaham, 22 games and 14 goals. Uh, Timo Furrowholm, who seems to have made a position in the top three of this list every season, very much his own. Uh, Inter, um, 10 goals in 21 games. Um, and then two players on nine goals. Um, Yasin Amin Asenun at Lati, uh, 22 games, nine goals. And... Tim Vaudenen at Hoyiko, 21 games and nine goals. So that's a tidy, a tidy top five. But Risky and Adimi were kind of well, well away at the top there. Risky's a cut above, really. And I mean, I, I know I'm just basically parroting what Mark says every week in our WhatsApp group. <laughs> but um, how he's not in the Finland squad, I don't know. Um, I have I've, to agree yeah. with that. Although, after what we witnessed on Wednesday, <laughs> maybe, maybe Rive knows what he's doing after all. Yeah, uh, he earns more than me. He deserves it. But um, I mean, Risky's had an interesting career, him and his brother. Um, but yeah, I mean, 16 and 20 games. And, and I think his goal per minute ratio is outstanding as well. As he makes that even better. But I think, um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation. But um, we, we need Mark to have his little bugbear. So uh, <laughs> let that be it. And how about if we wrap up this episode, this whopper I think it's going to be um, with our, our full time feature which is following and uh, Keke made a substitution as the game was going today <laughs> so Keke introduce your nomination for following this week and uh, tell us uh, who it is, what's their tag where they are and why you want to nominate them So yeah, for, for this show I've gone with um... Armada Turku. So um, I was lucky enough to speak to one of the uh, the main players from Armada Turku. For um, for those of you who don't know, they are they are one of Inter Turku's um, fan groups. They're um, they're the guys who are creating all the noise and all the colours and all the showmanship that you you'll see at Inter Turku games with their their huge tifos and their 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 smoke bombs and their singing. So. Um, yeah, their, their Instagram is pretty nice and colourful. So uh, you can follow them on Instagram at Armada Turku and you can follow them on Twitter at Armada Turku. So hopefully we'll be, um, we'll be getting an episode out soon where you can listen to me chat away with one of the, one of the guys from, from the fan group and he tells me all about their, their TIFOs and how their group came to be and um, their love for Finnish football and supporting Inter Turku. So 
give those guys a follow. And when the episode's out, check it out. And the episode being out is very much on me. Uh, work has been busy lately. We've been busy with, with the in-between shows. Yeah, I'm so, sorry for being busy at work. It doesn't, hasn't been like that all year, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I also thought that you know we're going to be quite active in the next week around these Nations League games and then the season ends. So we'll, we'll keep that chat. Um, I haven't listened to it yet because I haven't edited it yet. So I'm going to, I'm looking forward to that as well. So often I have a, a finished football show to listen to as a listener. So I'm, I'm excited by this as well. And uh, I think we'll have some, we'll have a few pictures in the, in the blog as well to show some of the, uh, the Armada Turku's work. So uh, thanks. Thanks for that. They did um, a lot of interest at the, uh, the cup final um, last month when both teams, it was at Turku's stadium and uh, Hoikor and Inter both got fined for smoke-based, as and the uh, Palolito find themselves for allowing it to happen. Yeah. So um, I mean, they, they've moved a grand from one pot into another. That they, <laughs> I always refer to it as their Christmas party fund. I don't know if they're having it this year, but um, it, you always say only in Finland. But um, yeah, these things always seem to happen only in Finland. Don't they? <laughs> it's, true, it's true enough. Okay. And, um, speaking, speaking of um, interviews, we've got another quite exciting one lined up. I won't reveal who that's with just yet, but watch this space. We should have something coming up in the next uh, month or so. Is that your, something you're working on, Keke? Well, I've, I've made some... Uh, it's a group effort. I've made some contact and we've had some positive feedback. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll approach that one as a group, I think. Oh, yeah. oh that, that one. That one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I've got one in the pipeline as well uh, from a different level of Finnish football, but I think it's uh, it's going to be worth doing. So we'll keep this uh, we'll keep this stuff coming through the. the it's, it's, it's almost that time of year. I need to try and get on top of the one I was going to do. So uh... yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, enough enough t- tantalising the listener with your with your promises. Um, Let's wrap it up there. Remember, join our new Facebook page for content. It's not new anymore. I can take new out of the script. It's been there for a year. Join our Facebook group page for content that comes directly from the Finnish Football Show team, so our podcasts and blogs and so on. You'll also find a link there to our Facebook group, and that's where we kind of share other people's stories and news and things that we think you might want to see. You can also join in or even better, instigate a conversation. So um, I mentioned earlier also Keke's Instagram page. He's, uh, he's showing it to the screen now. Although no one will see it, Keke, because I'm talking. Okay. So um, make a noise and then show it. Perfect. <laughs> That's exactly the sort of noise to make on a football podcast. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on the YouTube channel where you'll find this, uh, this video. Um, and remember, you can find us all on uh, on Twitter. Explore Finland at FC Suomi, at Kekke Mulevi, and at Escape to Suomi. So, until next time, Keke, goodbye. Moi. And Rich, goodbye. Good night. And from me, goodbye. Thanks a lot.
Yep, yep.